I feel like we always had this kind of intergalactic pull to each other. We just kind of just yeah. like ended up in each other's lives. And it was just like, here we are, two artists. I feel like people just try and box us in. Yeah. But it's like, why? we just do what we do. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Making Ways Podcast. This season, we're talking to musicians alongside the visual artists they collaborate with for album covers, videos, posters, merchandise, and more. You're going to hear conversations about creativity and collaboration, learn a thing or two about your favorite band and artist, even discover a new band and artist that you're going to love, and learn new ways of working that can help your creative practice today. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a lifelong music lover, illustrator, and creative collaborator. I'm obsessed with the way visual art and music can combine to make a whole that is so much larger than the sum of its parts. On today's episode, you're going to hear from the incredible artist and musician Shamir, alongside Faye Orlove, the illustrator and animator who created Shamir's video for the song Running. Running comes from Shamir's latest self-titled album. His second release of 2020 is an indie pop masterpiece. Raw, honest, and with enough bounce to have you dancing through every tune. Faye owns and runs Junior High in Los Angeles, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting underrepresented creatives with art shows, events, and online content. She's created work for musicians like Shania Twain and brands like Google and Pepsi. When I sat down with Shamir and Faye, we talked about the creative collaboration that went into this video, creativity and mental health, and the downside of romanticizing the idea of the tortured rock star. We even touched on some of the new music that Shamir is already getting started on. If you haven't heard Shamir's music yet, you've got to dive in. Seven records and a bunch of EPs later, he's still uncovering new musical movements. And as this self-titled release signifies, he's finding his own voice in a really unique way that is wholly Shamir. Shamir and Faye have known each other for many years and have collaborated going way back to Shamir's debut record, Ratchet. Over time, they've stayed close. And when Faye reached out to Shamir to create a new music video for him, he was so excited at the idea of collaborating with her once again. You'll hear Faye and Shamir describe the video she created for the track Running, a song about isolation and feeling out of place amongst your friends, and the stress that that can put onto a person and their identity. In the animated video, Faye draws a running Shamir with Las Vegas scenery, lyrics coming across the screen and culminating in Shamir's character taking flight with butterfly wings. It's a straightforward metaphor, but one that is so fitting for Shamir an artist that is constantly running, running towards a new artistic vision, towards new sounds, and closer towards himself. We kicked off the conversation with my asking Shamir and Faye how they initially connected. Tune in for an amazing chat with these old friends. I don't know if you know this, but I stalked you kind of before we met. I just always saw you on the internet and I was like, this is a really cute person. Like, I don't know if I followed you yet because I was just like, would that be weird? Like, this person doesn't know me or like whatever. But then I happened to be at a Waxahachie show, I think, in LA. That's what it was. And I saw you and I was like, hi, I just seen you on the internet and I think you're amazing. I didn't even know you did art or anything. I was just like, oh, this person looks cool. And then you invited me to some pool party you had in L.A. at the Roosevelt in Hollywood. So, Shamir, were you following Faye's, like, artwork online no, or I just mean, her I, as a I person? found out afterwards, of course. But, yeah, at that time, I just saw her in pictures with 
mutual friends that we had and I was just like oh this person looks cool and then once I finally followed her like I saw her art and I was just like oh even better like you know like uh mystical witchy tarot card stuff I think we both kind of met at kind of like the genesis of maybe both of our art careers and just kind of naturally grown together because we just always keep each other in mind for things because like the video wasn't the first thing that we worked on like we did like the stickers the shimmer stickers and the postcards for revelations i only had sent revelations to her at the time like i wasn't shopping it or anything because like i really didn't care it was just kind of just like something i made after i like i got out of the hospital and like got like my bipolar diagnosis and i was just like back home in vegas bored like couldn't do anything else so i think the postcards was first because the postcards came with like anyone who like ordered a copy of the record yeah and then and then we did the stickers i don't know if i've seen those is it your likeness it's a cowboy hat yeah that has like shamir and like rope lettering it's actually kind of iconic nodding to you know my yeehaw nature (laughs) right right which you brought back a little bit on the the new record it's always there somewhere but um (laughs) but 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 Faye did do my likeness aside from the video she did do my likeness for the postcards and so i know that the new record the self-titled record that was actually recorded before quarantine and and all that started is that right some of it like two of the songs were and two of the other ones were like i recorded at home like during lockdown and then the rest was like finished socially distant and like a big studio north philly headroom which has a separate live room and separate vocal booth so it made social distancing so easy. So we were, I was blessed for that to like have access to that studio to like finish the record. Cause had I not, I don't know what I would, or I had to finish the whole thing myself, which like finishing those two songs completely by myself already was like, Oh my God. Like I was surprised how they came, how well they came out. It was um pretty when I'm sad. And I wonder I did, I re- recorded all of the like everything myself um it was like additional production but it was like via email but like that was the first time I ever like done anything like that like just like completely recorded myself and like put it out to like the masses like on this level and like have it sound like that good like I was like oh my god <laughs> that's incredible and I know that the, like the album cover and the first videos you just do it all yeah you self-shot it and and produced it when you're thinking about the creative around the record are you imagining that you're just going to pick up a camera and get into it or are you thinking there might be collaboration or is it more of like a last minute like i'm just going to go for it it's usually always almost always a last minute situation except for this record i actually had like some artistic creative ideas like i knew like definitely i wanted like the purple hair to be a situation like Hair for me for album cycle is always kind of like important. Like during a ratchet era, I had like the high top, and then I eventually introduced the butterfly, which I'm not wearing right now, but I do wear my butterfly every day. And then for this record, I was like, okay, we're gonna do purple, even though it's like half pink and half purple right now. But yeah, so I had that in mind. But like as far as like the videos and like the press photos and cover and everything those are all just response to COVID. Like, I'm just like, I, you know, I can't really like do shoots and like, I have all this free time and I had just got a camera like last fall before everything popped off. So it almost feels so serendipitous. And I was just like, well, got this camera and a bunch of free time, like uh, the on my own video, like that was completely just in response to lockdown. And I, that was like, I did that like probably like 
the first few weeks of you did it lockdown. on your own <laughs> i did it exactly that's like there's so many like <laughs> there's so many levels to that so wow. many levels to that song just like because it was is a breakup song so it's like oh i don't mind being on my own but like you know it came out after the pandemic and then i did like the video on my own and like all the press photos and like everything so that it just took a whole new meaning that i never thought that it would when i wrote it so <laughs> oh you didn't yeah. see this the- coming the Maybe I did. Isolating us all? Great. Maybe I did. Just didn't know, you know? (laughs) What was the reaction to that song in the video? Was there a lot of like meta analysis of where the world is now compared to the track? Oh, yeah, of course. I was watching like a behind the scenes maybe of Hole with Courtney Love. And she mentioned, you know, how sometimes her lyrics feel psychic because like how she wrote like Live Through This, like before Kurt died, but like a lot of those songs seem to have applied. And a lot of the stuff that I was writing in the last few years seemed to be that, like, even before I had released the first single on my own for self-titled, I had just surprise dropped Cataclysm. You know, people was like, this, should we ever predict this? Because I had dropped it like a week <laughs> after, actually, I think I've dropped it the first week that like everyone was like on a complete lockdown. And it was like, Right. It was like the end of March or middle of March. And like the, the March, yeah. It, it came out March 18th. So, I, you know, I dropped this record called Cataclysm that like dealt with like basically like like the whole goal of like the record and like the way I want the record to feel is kind of like to feel like the end of the world. And it's kind of maybe even kind of like a doom metal record-ish, a um, little grungy. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. So yeah. that was like the vibes and that's what everyone was like feeling. So I was just like, maybe I should release this. Like I already have it lying around. Like... Did I predict? Like, what the? What's going on? This is all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't cause it. I just predicted it. Mm, Well, see, see, maybe. So you say. Was Shamir like a reaction to Cataclysm? Like, because there's there's so much. No, Cataclysm was never supposed to come out, actually. Cataclysm was just like a record I was sitting on because I think people didn't get or like the end of the world vibes. And like, I was advised really not to release it. (laughs) And then everything hit and you said, I was I'm like, just going to match the moment. People might like it now. <laughs> you know, if they didn't get it before, I think they might like it now. I just think it just, it was a little too ahead of its time for some people. And I just had to, <laughs> I just had to sit on it until the world was ready. <laughs> until the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We wait till everything falls apart. No, because that's literally what go. I wanted it. Like, I, I remember when I was like pitching it and shopping it, I was just like, I want this record to like sound like the one cassette tape that survived after the world was like completely obliterated and like the uh, like a distant life force comes and find it. And it's just like, oh, literally, that's like how I wanted the sound. That was like the tagline. Yeah, it's your fault. thanks for uh you know making it making a record and putting out a record that we can all get down to and i don't mean like groove to but just like get really down and (laughs) uh, dark and feel it but then you come back with the self-titled record and what i was saying is i dance around my apartment to that record nonstop. there's like so much energy the songs are just crystal clear and there's such a like a groove throughout the whole record. So where is your mindset in putting that out in these times? Is it that people need a relief? Is it just where you are as an artist that you are ready to put out more of an upbeat record? I wanted the challenge to like try to also like make a record that brought both sides of my audience together, like the people who like the grungier stuff and then also the people that made it like 
Ratchet and like the more popular stuff. And I felt I had come into my artistry enough to have been able to merge both worlds together. So I had started planning this record like last December. So it was already going to come, but again, a lot, you know, a lot of those lyrics kind of still resonated. So it almost kind of feels like the antithesis of uh, Cataclysm, but I look at them as sister records. I look at Cataclysm as kind of like death and I look at self-titled as rebirth and which it is in a lot of in a lot of ways it's kind of like a rebirth thing of even kind of like my artistry and like my career and like who I am you know that's why I finally called it self-titled seven records later because it (laughs) it felt like I finally came out as the artist that I always kind of like envisioned myself yeah there's a crystallization of the sound of the music there's a unity across the songs that I think makes the album so, so strong. So you just felt that going into it. You had that vision of the record you wanted to make. And then as it was coming together, you saw, hey, this is who I am now as an artist. This represents me. I think every record before, maybe slightly with the exception of Ratchet, but there's still a lot of me in Ratchet. I mean, I wrote it, you know, but I think every record has a part of me. I just think that this was the record where I completely like let loose and was just like, I'm going to give you a different genre every song because this is how I always kind of like envision me making a record, but was always kind of like scared to do that because of like industry standards. But I'm like, I'm self-releasing this record. Like I'm self-managing right now. Like I don't have anything, no one to stop me right now. So I'm going to make this record how I want to completely. Amazing. And you're in Philly right now, Shamir. Mm -hmm. And Faye, you're in Los Angeles. Sure am. (laughs) (laughs) so you're uh socially distanced anyway and how did the idea of doing an animated video for running come together i forced shamir to let me do it not forced (laughs) not forced not forced it was like a blessing in the skies because like i already no because i already i was already so overwhelmed with how many eyes was on me and like the record and like the single with on my own like I didn't plan for that it was I didn't plan for it to do as well as it did so I was like oh shit like I have maybe barely half of a video planned you know like I didn't think I didn't think I was gonna have to like really one-up myself or like kind of like continue the momentum so it was almost like a blessing in disguise when Faye hit me up well yeah I was like because of all the distancing and Early COVID, my junior high closed. I all my freelance ended. Like I just had no work, no business. I was so depressed. It's like I guess I should just start on a big project from home. And I was like, Shamir, let's do a video. And then of course, when you were ready and had the song ready and everything, it was like, oh, I like had a job. Junior <laughs> high, I was like looking for it. I was like, oh shit, I have no time anymore. No, it was perfect. So yeah, it was kind of my idea. I was like, I want to do a video. I have so much free time. And then we ended up doing it. And I think that will be the last time in my life I ever say I have a lot of free time. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the, you know, and it's so funny because I mean, we were kind of like in the same situation, maybe just like slightly like delayed, like me, maybe a month before you, because that's how I was feeling. Like I was planning like all the other new stuff that I can do in quarantine. Then on my own came out and kind of like started to spread like wildfire. And I was like, oh no, like I'm like busy now. Like, oh yeah. my God, was not, was not planning to be busy this year during a pandemic. You know, that was the last thing I was planning to be. 
And yeah, just kind of like keeping up with everything was crazy. That's why like by then, you know, by then when you hit me up, the record wasn't even completely done. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I had to like, yeah, I had to like wait like what a month later after you offered to like send the song like. And it was still rough, I think. I don't even think yeah, it was the Yeah, I don't even think it was mastered. But I do know you were like, you're going to love this song because <laughs> yeah. I love pop music. And yeah, it was perfect. Why was it that song that you sent over, Shamir? Well, it's pop first and foremost, yes. But then also the lyrics are very visual. And I think that, you know, helped you a lot with like the running and like, you know, the way you did like the lyrics. And I love the homage to, to Vegas as well because, you know, I feel like tug of war between Vegas and and Philly. And sometimes I'm like, I hope I'm not completely forgetting Vegas. Like, you know, so that was really cool. But yeah, I think the lyrics, those are like the most like kind of like visual lyrics, I think of like kind of like all the songs on the record that was like visual, but like not necessarily like, like specific storytelling. It's called running, you know? So like (laughs) you could, you could, you could do so much with that, you know? I just had you running. Yeah. (laughs) Running through the night, through Las Vegas. I'm picturing a montage of like the early storyboards. You're swimming, you're jogging, (laughs) you're rowing. What verb, you know? I was like, what should he be doing? Yeah. Yeah. One day it just clicked, running. But of to course. be fair, I did start flying at the end. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> so what happened? So you sent over the song, Faye, like, when did you start coming up with concepts of what the video might be? When I knew it was actually happening, because I heard the song and I was like, I love this, but, you know, let me know if you, I don't know, it was kind of back and forth for a minute. Uh, and then it was like, oh, we have a date. We have a release date. And I was like, we're a month out. And then, yeah, I was trying to think of things that were obviously enigmatic of the song and of Shamir. And every time I I just think of Vegas when I think of you. And then something I could do like relatively quickly because animation is so time consuming. And I've been wanting to do more lyric videos. So it kind of just worked out. I was like, oh, we'll just do stuff with like not so animation heavy, like more illustration because that's a little bit quicker than animating everything. And the main animation is just the running, which that took a few days, but I just looped it. But it's still also like, I, I think what I like about your video specifically is that like maybe this one's a little bit more kind of like lyric focus and maybe kind of like a combination music video, lyric video. But you always kind of seem to like incorporate lyrics into your videos. Yeah, I think that's just how I um, consume music. I'm like very lyric heavy. I don't know. My partner like listens to all this like orchestral music and like loves like... I don't know, like old symphonies and stuff. And I'm like, where are the lyrics? I don't I'm know. I exactly love to like the same sing way. and dance. And yeah, so I, I love lyrics and your lyrics are perfect. And yeah, I, I've always connected to like more what a song is saying than necessarily what it sounds like. Faye, you're one of the few people that says that. Or that I yeah. know that feels that way because a lot of people, yeah, are like more geared towards like the instrumentation and like the way the music makes them feel and like the mood of like the I instrumental. think it's because I don't understand music. Like I don't know how a guitar works. I don't know how you'd like put a drum thing with a bass thing. Like it just, it never clicks. I, I do mean, not get I it. I do. But for me, the way I create music, especially because I'm just such deeply a vocalist and a songwriter. So like lyrics are so important for me, right? And to me... Since I think of myself as a lyricist and, and singer first, 
music to me is kind of just like the complementary of that, like basically like the vehicle for my vocal and like lyrics to me. Like I only care about music to kind of get that across and kind of not not the other way around. I think a lot of musicians are like, oh, music first and then I'll write these lyrics. And like, then I'm like, no, not for me. Not for me. It's always lyrics. Dive into that. So are you sketching out lyrics like on a daily, weekly basis and then building music around that? Or talk to me through like the song creation process for you. Super inconsistent. Super inconsistent. Like I don't. I mean, I don't schedule time. Definitely don't schedule time. Um, just I it just what I, I just follow my muse. That's really what's it. Like even me, like starting on the next record now. Like I was not planning on it. I was just like, I'm gonna chill. Like whatever, whatever. And then all these kind of like things came up. The circumstances came up. I had these ideas, and then I was like, I guess I'm making a record. And yeah, that's just that's just how I am. I generally write everything all at once. And this is a perfect antidote to prove to you like how much I don't care about instrumental as opposed to like lyrics and vocal. Is that typically. If I write, like, instrumental, like, if I, you know, get some chords down, bass, little drum loop, like, whatever, when I'm, like, demoing, but don't write any lyrics or a vocal on the spot, then I used to throw them out and be like, oh, well, I guess this wasn't meant to be, like, literally, but would never do that if I, like, wrote down lyrics, you know, that didn't have any music to it. I would just, like, oh, I'll eventually come up with some chords, and then it'll work, you know, and I almost did that on my own. On my own was instrumental that I sat on for a year. I wanted to throw it out, but I'm, like, this sounds so good. Like, maybe I can give it to someone else. Like, I don't know, but I know I'm not going to throw it out because it sounds so good, and then a year later, that's when I wrote the lyrics, all in one sitting, but, like, Throughout the whole time, just nothing came to me. So that taught me not to, at the very least, not to throw away my instrumentals if I don't have any lyrics for them. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> uh, we we need we need more of those tracks. So did, was the song like playing in your head, and and lyrics came to you, or did you sit down and try to give it a go? Like how did how did they come? It was very that. Yeah, I had to kind of like go through like this kind of like almost year-long situationship um and uh that literally started immediately after I did the instrumental and then after it ended that's when the lyrics came to me as like you know a way to cope and for some reason while I was writing these lyrics I subconsciously knew that it will work perfectly with this specific instrumental that I had been sitting on for like a year. And I wrote it actually separately. Like I, I didn't have the music near me at all. I had finished the entire, like I finished all the lyrics to all my own in my bed. The instrumental was still on my four tracks. So I had like, I was nowhere near the actual instrumental or music. But as I was writing it, I knew that it would fit perfectly with the instrumental. And then I had to go back downstairs to where my four track was, pull up the instrumental and like when I sang the lyrics, it just it fit like a glove. It was like insane how like my brain already was just like used to it. Wow. And it and it bookended the relationship that you're in, like the start of the music and the end of the lyrics. Exactly. Yeah. That's incredible. It's crazy how that worked. Yeah. <laughs> or situationship is what you called it, which I'm not yeah. familiar with actually the difference. It's like it's how would you explain a situationship, Faye? There's just like no label. Like it's, yeah, it's like 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, that's how that's how I would describe it. It's confusing. You everyone know? involved is confused. <laughs> yeah, everyone involved <laughs> is confused. Um, which is definitely the energy can be the energy of that can be felt in on my own, you know. So yeah, I'm just gonna go with confusing. I'm not even gonna try to like justify it to like anything a little bit more, which is what it was. And like that's why like specifically hurt, you know, and like that's where the lyrics like came from. And um and I think yeah, that kind of like vibe of like being like in a situation ship for like almost a fucking year. It is just like, yo, either we're gonna like define something or I'm gonna continue with my life because I'm too young, you know? And so that kind of like is resonated in like in the chorus where it's just like, you know, I don't mind to live on my own and like I don't mind to feel like I belong, but you always did. And it's kind of just like, you know, you wanna feel like you you want to basically feel like you belong to basically the rest of the world and feel like anything that's defining anything is going to tie you down, even though like, I'm not that type of person. Like you can still be you and like, not, you know, string me along basically. And when it came to running, my understanding is that song is also about kind of leaving toxic Mm -hmm. relationships and friendships and friend groups. Talk to me about how that song came together and also, yeah, like the, psychic energy around it in terms of relationships and and friends that were really not supporting you it's so funny because i think on the surface all my own sounds like maybe it could be written more in a platonic way but it's about a romantic relationship but like running sounds maybe on the surface more like a romantic relationship but it's about platonic relationships when they call philly the city of brotherly love like they mean that like when i moved to philly i had no feminine energy around me initially like at all whatsoever I was the feminine energy like and it was suffocating it was really hard because not only was I surrounded by like a bunch of masculine energy but like bonehead straight boys like like I was living with them I lived with two of them and then their friends would be around all the time and then my best friend at the time was also a straight dude and like so I just like be in a house with like 10 to 15 straight dudes sometimes like at once and I'm just like "Ah, I can't do this you know and and like what which is like fine but it was really affecting my mental health because like I was already having so many other just like personal issues like I was already out as like non-binary and like everything like since the beginning of my career that was like really no problem but like also when I try to like express myself in this in maybe more of a feminine way than like management liked at the time, I would get calls from them and be like, can you like tone it down? I'm like, I am gay. I I, like (laughs) what for what? For why? (laughs) Like I have been out since the beginning of my career. Like, why does that matter? You know? And the most frustrating thing about it too, is that like one person on my management team was a lesbian like so it was really dark it was just like them deflecting their own internal self-hate onto me and I'm still like you know young and at a point in my life where I'm still like figuring myself out you know by time Ratchet was done I was still only 21 and like I just moved to a new city and I was like you know that's still such a formative time for people and so I'm trying to like 
still find myself while also finding the strength to like kind of like get myself out of the situation that I already have felt uncomfortable with this whole time on top of like being around a bunch of people that just didn't get me and like didn't get what I was going through and I couldn't even explain what I was going through because they just wouldn't get it and like that's fine that's not their fault but they just wouldn't you know so basically it it really affected my like gender dysphoria as well because like I had never felt it to that point because, like, I had never been just around, like, a group of, like, non-diverse people and me basically been, like, the one ounce of representation within it. And so I wanted to not always be the odd one out when I was with them, you know? Like, so I would almost kind of, like, find myself dressing more masculine just so I didn't have to stand out. Not necessarily because, like, I wanted to or, like, or even I, you know, wanted to appear less queer or, like, anything. It was just, like, I'm tired of being the one that looks the most different whenever we're all out, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of what that song is about. And also other toxic things, that reasons why I don't, like, you know, hang out with that friend group. But, like, but that song specifically deals with that. And I also said this in the email to, to Faye, is that, like, you know, my previous song, Straight Boy, is kind of like maybe like the sister song to them because it's kind of like around about that same kind of like group of people. But like Straight Boy is kind of like me talking to them and running is kind of like about me talking to myself about like how I felt during that time, you know? Mm. And can you define that that term that you discussed, gender, gender dysphoria? dysphoria? Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, a lot, of, it's just kind of just like that friction that non-cis people feel within their gender. I mean, it's, you know, kind of simple as that. Um, I always felt comfortable with my gender. You know, I came out as non-binary very early on and I was always out as non-binary my entire music career. But it was still so new even then. I mean, I remember every interview I was doing back in 2014, 2015, like I, I was sitting there having to explain to people what the hell it meant, you know, and right. I was still figuring out a lot of things like myself and, but I had never, you know, felt boxed in and like my expression because I always like did what I wanted to. I didn't start to feel boxed in in my gender expression until I joined the industry, shockingly. And it yeah. was kind of like, that's when I started to be like, yeah, you can like identify however you want, but you still have to present in a way that like makes people feel comfortable. And I'm like, that's not fair. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There are so many creative connections to be drawn between Shamir and Faye. I asked Faye to talk about her nonprofit Junior High a space that is dedicated to supporting, nurturing, and spotlighting those who may feel like outsiders and welcoming them into the art world with art shows, events, and a community to elevate their voices. Let's jump back to the conversation and hear Faye describe her work and vision for junior high in Los Angeles. 
It's essentially a nonprofit art gallery or community space. I never quite know what to call it because I don't think another thing quite like it exists, but it's essentially a venue where we prioritize the expression of artists that are made marginalized by just lots of uh, constructs that live in the art scene that make mostly men, white men, straight men, cis men have their art seen and prioritized. So we kind of try and do the opposite and prioritize art from people who don't fit into those boxes. And then, yes, yeah, so we'll do like art shows, film screenings, workshops, seriously, anything. It's so much fun. In March, I think literally like on the 18th, like the day your record came out, we had to close for COVID. Definitely didn't think this would be what happened. I mean, we can't pay rent on the space. It's like we make money when people come to the events and pay five bucks. So without being able to host events, we just had no money coming in. Couldn't pay rent. Got like a pro bono attorney. Canceled our lease. Moved out of there. And literally just like waiting for it to be practical and safe to reopen in a different space. We were in that previous location on Hollywood Boulevard for four years. So it's still pretty sad. I like definitely cried the day we moved everything to storage. We're just sort of, I don't know, existing in this weird digital in between right now. We're kind of focusing on digital content and digital activities and events and stuff, but it's not my cup of tea. Like I don't even have like a microphone for this. Like I don't do computer things I besides drawing, but like because there's a magazine now and a podcast and things like that. Yeah, we've had those entities. So I'm kind of just shifted like focus onto that stuff a bit more. Kind of just playing a waiting game, trying to reopen. Yeah, I, I can't wait to visit when it does. It seems like such an incredible space and, uh, and mission that you all are on. Thank so, you. Yeah. And in terms of your illustration and videos and things like that, like when you, you think about your, your artwork, What's your vision of where that's going? I know you, you know, your drawings are amazing and, and so vibrant and feature so many powerful women and people who really are so deserving of the spotlight. And I love the work. Where are you going in terms of your artwork? Well, I already got a cease and desist from Casey Musgrave. So that was huge for me. <laughs> that was epic she knows I exist. Because <laughs> I was like, I had posters of her and her team was like, no, take these off Etsy or something. I was like, oh my God, that was like one of the best days of my life. Acknowledgement from Casey Musgraves. No, but I would love to just keep doing what I'm doing with working with artists, primarily musicians. I love music so much and I love being on like this weird fringe end of it where like I can't make music and I don't know how, but like I'll make your band tea, you know? <laughs> so I would just love to work with like, Lizzo, Miley Cyrus, I am a hard Kardashian stan, like why they haven't reached out to me for merch yet when Kim has those ugly <laughs> ass emojis, like Truly. I'm trying to like, redo those. Oh, I got to do an illustration for Shania Twain a month ago, which was insane for me. That was like, I ran into the bathroom while my partner was showering. I was like, you won't guess who just emailed me. Like, I think just working with more people I admire, whether it's, you know, more Shamir stuff or more uh, a Kim Kardashian season to desist, you know, both are my peak. <laughs> what are what are your favorite collaborations? Like what's happening in a creative collaboration between an artist and a musician where you're like, this is working, this feels great. 
you're like in the zone? I like direction actually. Like I think a lot of times when an artist is like commissioning something or a person is like commissioning an illustration or a tattoo or something, they're like, Oh, they probably want full freedom. They probably want you to just be like, I don't know, something with ghosts and like, have you go for it. This is literally an email I have in my inbox right now. And I'm like, <laughs> but I would rather it be like, I have this vision of me running and, you know, some like homage to Vegas. Maybe there's lots of purples, like just a little bit to get you going and then just like support in the process. And I feel like it's when I was like up and coming or whatever, like first starting, I'd kind of take whatever projects I could get and I'd get these like mood boards from people that just don't look like what I create at all. I was like, weird, you're asking me, but okay. And now I feel like it's gotten to a point where when people reach out for collaborations, like I'm on the mood board, like my work is like, and I'm like, good. They know what they're getting. They know what I do. I don't know. I think there's like a weird misconception that like illustration is like, a, you can do it all. Like I could do anime if I wanted or something. I'm like, no, I have, I have a thing that I do. And if you want it, great. If you don't go to someone else. I will refer you to a artist of color, female artist that does what you're looking for. Did it take you a while to land on that though? And be like, this is me. Like, I'm not going to bend and shape towards, I mean, Shamir, like there's a lot of connections to your musical evolution too. But Faye, like when did you land and and be like, I'm not going in those different directions. Like this is the illustration. This is the work. And yeah, like you said, if you don't like it, just go elsewhere. I mean, it's definitely been like a slow transition. It wasn't like one day I'm like, no more projects I don't care about. I mean, it, yeah, I feel like when I get a project or a request or something, I'm just like, and this is my website. Like, you know, this is what my stuff looks like, right? Just confirming. Cool. Because I'm like, they're not going to be happy with something that I do if that's not what they want. And I won't be happy with it. I don't know. I feel like I'm just smarter about like the conversations as opposed to just like saying no or something. Just like being more upfront with what I'm like capable of instead of doing what I used to do and just be like, yeah, I can do that. And then YouTubing it for 12 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And for both of you, the evolution in your work, do you feel like it's a, a byproduct of just working and working and working? Or do you feel like it's more of a, a vision that you have that you're working towards? For me, it's two things. It's uh, it's a byproduct of me kind of just like going back to like what made creating music exciting for me again. And it damn sure wasn't electropop, you know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, kind of like going back to that, but also, yes, growing on it, but in a way that feels natural after kind of like going back to like the beginning and like what piqued my interest in music to begin with. I love that. Yeah. I feel like with creativity or like illustrating or whatever medium I'm using, it's always been to celebrate the people I look up to. Like it's sort of an, I guess like a bit of idol worship, but I I don't think it's in an unhealthy way. My life has just been in phases of like who I've been obsessed with, you know, it was like the Spice Girls and then Josie and the Pussycats. then Olivia Benson like she's ongoing (laughs) we love SVU yeah so I think I just want to keep honoring and like creating tributes to the people who make me feel strong and 
proud of who I am. And it ranges from, you know, my mom to the Kardashians. Like it's, I'm just gonna, I think, keep drawing the people that make me feel good because there are so many people that make me feel just horrible. To me, it's like immortalizing these like visionaries. So I just want to keep doing that. And hopefully I'll get like paid by those people to do it. That's like long run goal. You know, like Miley's like, I see you keep drawing. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love that because there's so much going on this happens to me where, you know, my eye can be drawn towards the negative and instead like flipping that and focusing on the positive and the people who are making a positive impact and elevating them, I think is such a, such a powerful way to, to make art and also make, make culture, make the world better by shifting that spotlight. I agree. When people ask me just like to, to describe your art, I've always kind of like described you as a pop artist, like, and honestly, maybe one of the best pop artists of our time right now, I would say. So would you describe yourself as a pop artist? Yeah, actually, in my like first compilation of illustrations that Don Giovanni put out, um, Liz Pelly wrote the foreword, and she described my work as pop culture through a radical lens. And I've loved that. Yes. Because I'm yes. like, wow. I think I can be a bunch of things. I think people think if you like pop culture, that you're not woke. You shouldn't be taken seriously, or you're not yeah. woke, or you don't read the news or whatever. I think Maria Sherman does an amazing job of this of understanding that, like, just because you like boy bands doesn't mean you're like a frivolous teenage girl. Like, yeah frivolous teenage girls are who made the Beatles famous and like, <laughs> yeah. people dismiss them all the time. So it's like, I love the things I love and I can look at things in a radical way and still enjoy life and still have fun and watch bad TV. So yeah, I love pop. I love pop music, pop culture. I love reading TMZ and daily mail and being just an absolute gross person. And then, you know, running my nonprofit for eight hours a day, just. No, I just wanted to ask. Cause like, I've always, I'm glad that is accurate. Cause I've always kind of like, without Definitely. even consulting you, like described you as that. So I'm glad that is accurate. I appreciate you checking in, but hell yeah. Anything <laughs> with pop. I love that. And I love like the juxtaposition and I love the blended boundaries. And I, Shamir, I see that so much in your music and your artistry. Like, no, I can be this and I can be that all at the same time. And you don't need to put a label on it. Or if you do, that just doesn't matter to me because I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to make the art I'm going to make like regardless of, of boundaries. So I, I see that connection underneath maybe all of the commonalities you have just as as people in the vision for the way you make work as artists which is incredible yeah I feel like we always had this kind of like intergalactic pull to each other like we just kind of just like ended up in each other's lives and it was just like here we are two artists I feel like people just try and box us in but it's like we just do what we do that's on them yeah I also too kind of like vibe with like the whole like pop artists and through a radical lens as well because like yeah I consider myself a pop artist as well um in the sense of like I want to feel accessible to everyone but also I don't feel like necessarily like the content is frivolous but like maybe I can make sure that like 
the music feels frivolous, you know, like you might want to dance to it, but also this song is about loneliness, you know, or like, right, you know, song like Straight Boy, one of my most popular songs. And, you know, it's like just a really catchy, like little like indie tune, but like, you know, the lyrics talk about deep stuff and like about like, you know, deconstruction, like toxic masculinity and queer erasure. And um, it could be dense with messages, but it doesn't have to fill with messages you know like it could still be just as digestible as like a quote-unquote dumb pop song whatever that means because to me that feels like minimizing as well like a pop song is a pop song you know i wanted to ask shumir you've been so outspoken about your mental health and your diagnosis with bipolar i wanted to ask you you both about the connection between mental health and creativity do you view it as an outlet as a resource, as a support mechanism? Like, where do you see that cross-connection between mental health and creativity? And I mean, Shamir, you've talked about barricading yourself in your room for the weekend and making hope, and then you were hospitalized subsequently, you know, and then you've emerged from that and you've, you know, you're prolific, you're constantly making music, which is incredible. But how do you draw the connection between those? I don't necessarily call hope a, a, a good representation of how my art maybe has helped my mental health. I think it was more of a response to kind of me struggling with, with my mental health. But also, I think I think that's a perfect start point to my answer because, like, I was so entangled in emotions that I couldn't control that I thought the only thing that I could do to control them is to like myself, you know, in my bedroom for a weekend, like make an album. And it didn't help and it didn't make me feel better. And I kind of have this, you know, immortalized version of just like a very chaotic time of like my life. And like, I still love those songs, still play the songs. They still, you know, to me, that record is like so important to me, but this represents so much chaos for me because it brings me to that specific point that I was in. You know what I mean? So to answer your question, creating music has helped me and my mental health in a way where I learned to use it as a form of catharsis, but also not, basically not to use it as a toxic way to kind of like work through or maybe not necessarily work through emotions that I'm like feeling. And I think that's kind of like the difference between like me writing a song that's super cathartic for me, like Straight Boy, where, you know, I've had the perspective, I've worked through the emotions that I felt with these things. And then kind of, as I mentioned earlier, you know, after I wrote the lyrics to like, um, on my own after the relationship to kind of like bookmark the ending of like me working through these energies and like these emotions and like everything and so that's been it's been very great to my mental health in that way so yeah I I've learned to not use that music making process in a toxic way because a lot of artists use that energy that they're feeling when they are feeling bad as a muse and I think that's bad and unhealthy because then a lot of artists don't know how to create when they feel good and they kind of end up sabotaging their own lives and personal lives for their art you know I think a perfect example of that is Julia Michaels she's like one of my favorite artists right now and I think she's amazing and like probably one of the best songwriters right now but she has a song from one of her EPs 
where she has a lyric where she goes, sometimes she goes, sometimes I think I kill relationships for art. I start up all the shit and watch them fall apart. I pay my bills with it. And like, I was like, finally someone said it. Like, that's so true. And it's just like, artists have to be cognizant of that. It's just like, am I using my art and like my songwriting and everything in a cathartic way that's healthy? Or am I just like dwelling in like these energies in order to make art, but not necessarily healing with them, dealing with them or like, you know, working through them? That's amazing. That's, that was uh, an incredible answer. And, uh, Amazing to hear that from you. Faye, any any thoughts on the connections between mental health and creativity? No, I mean, I agree so much. I think we're in this like age of normalizing self-care and healing and therapy. And I love that for us and for Gen Z and everyone growing up now to see that like during the peak of the Black Lives Matter protest this summer, that it it was all these incredible activists saying, okay, thank you for taking to the streets. Now take a day to make sure you're okay. And I think we're just like in this era of checking in with our, each other and ourselves and kind of moving past gender expectations and just understanding that like it isn't admirable to be miserable. It isn't this like weird trope of this tortured artist is not it doesn't need to be that way art shouldn't come from pain and if it does and that's great but then grow and heal and don't wallow in that so yeah I'm just I've been trying to take all that to heart I'm like someone who's naturally like very goal oriented and work oriented and I just grew up with a father who is very much like, you know, work and make sure you're paying your bills and our priority is, you know, financial security and stuff. So I I had to uncondition those kind of thoughts that are like work, 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 work and say like, it's just as important to sit on my balcony and drink a beer at three o'clock some days. Like that is care. That is health. Like that is art also. Like, so everything Shamir just said is like really hits close to home that I just... I kind of want to do away with this whole like tortured artist ideal that some people cling to and just further the narrative that self-care and personal health and mental health are just as important as what you're contributing to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The whole concept of like, I just want to say the whole concept of torture artists is just, it's so harmful. And I hate that even still now art society kind of like, romanticizes it and it just like it needs to stop it's gross romanticizes that's exactly the word I was trying to think of yeah it's like put on this pedestal that it's like so cool to be like have addiction issues and yeah. be drinking and be in like this black hole of despair because you get to write good music or something it's like no I <laughs> no take care yeah. of yourself make beautiful art because you feel beautiful yeah yeah it's ongoing yeah, I think especially these months I've found really having to dedicate time to self-care and sleep and exercise oh and God, yeah. um, turning off the phone and getting away. I feel like this has like been the exclamation point on these like years and years of just nonstop chaos. Yeah, it's been like a weird kind of silver lining that this is the most rest I have ever been able to get and the <laughs> least I've had to be around people, which... For me, I find really exhausting to 
because at junior high, it's like a lot of new people. It's a lot of small talk. It's a lot of just like making sure things are functioning properly with new faces every night. So it's, it's exhausting. So in a way, like this was a massive reset where in any other scenario, I don't think, I think I still would have just been burning the rope at both ends. So. And we talked about this earlier with Faye, but Shamir, I wanted to hear from you in terms of creative collaborations. I mean, you've been through some quote unquote collaborations in your history that, you know, were not good for you. They weren't good for you as a person or your music. You've evolved. You put out, you know, so many records now. What makes a good creative collaboration for you in the music, in it for you as an artist, now that you know yourself better and you know what works for you? It depends on the the type of collaboration. Like if it's for me, I just want to feel safe and respect it. You know, unfortunately, a lot of producers come in and be like, I'm going to make you sound good. And it's like, no, you're going to compliment what I already have. Like, I don't need you to take me to a next level. I need you to, like, listen to me (laughs) and collaborate. You know what I mean? But also in the collaboration where it's like, you know, for instance, when I'm working with one of the artists on, like, my label, for me, I, I have to be all ears. I have to be intuitive. I have to really listen and kind of, like, basically do the opposite and, like, really just be open I kind of like like when it's like for my other artists I feel like I'm listening to them but I'm like I'm listening to them you know like I'm fully trying to figure out not only what they want as far as their art but also like how they want to be perceived how they perceive themselves how that ties into their art and like all of that you know where I think a lot of people at least from my experience and me being artists and having other people, producers, whatever, wanting to work with me, they're not trying to go that deep with figuring out like who I am, even as an artist, let alone a person. And I think you have to do both. And that's why I work with very few people. And I don't just like release artists after artists after artists. Like I have to have a deep connection with all the artists that like I, I work with as far as like with my label, not necessarily so much for me as long, just like I said, like as long as I like at least have like that respect and feel safe and, um, and you know, they don't talk over me essentially, then that's all I ask of. But like, yeah, when I'm working with my artists, like I try to completely engulf myself in what they want and who they are and really, really just be intuitive and pay attention. That's incredible. How lucky for those artists to basically have a collaborator and a mentor and a, a label owner who has like been in their shoes, literally, and has felt the good and the bad edges of the industry and know how to bring the best out of an artist and support them and nurture them. So I feel like those artists are, are very lucky to have you, Shamir. As we wind down, I wanted to come back to Butterflies and Butterfly. And, you know, it shows up in the running video, Shamir, it shows up in so much of your your work. You know, besides that kind of idea of a, a chrysalis stage and, and emerging as a, a beautiful new being that can really soar and fly, what does that mean to you? And, and why does it often come into play in so much of your your work? You know, the whole butterfly thing for me, Again, it was just like a me following the universe slash my muse moment. I was literally just at a point where I was kind of like still feeling a little lost post my debut. 
And um, I was at my rehearsal space in Philly. That's like shared. And on the keyboard was a butterfly clip. I had never seen one like that. It was like, you know, one of like the one the ones that I have now and like that moves and springs and, uh, and it's very vintage. Like it's just it's hard to find those. You can't even like really just go to Claire's and get them. And I was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this. Like, and I was just like, who's this? Where did it come from? And like my band's Bammy's was like, I don't know. And I put it in my hair and it's never less since. Like I put it on the left side of my head and that's where it's been since, basically. Like, and so that's kind of like where that initial what's the word? I, iconography. 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 Yes, there we go. Comes from, but also later on, just like realizing what butterflies mean, and like also like just knowing that like butterflies resemble like death and rebirth, and you know transformation, and that is just something I'm really good at doing. You know, like. Every record I release sounds completely different from the last. And like, that is what I'm known for. And that is something that I do just subconsciously. Like, it's not thought about. It's not something that I try to do. It's just the type of artist that I am. And like, not only with my music and everything, like, my looks change with the season. My hair changes with the season, God knows. Like, you know, I'm just like a very transformative person. And I kind of just like follow my muse, follow the flow of just like, how I'm feeling. And I think it has to do with my mood as well. Like, I just think that, like, I wear my mood kind of, like, on the outside or, like, in whatever I'm creating. So I think I kind of, like, inhabit the butterfly spirit in that sense as well. And so I have to ask, what's your mood going into this next set of songs? I saw on Twitter you mentioned Hole, which got me very excited. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I mean, I will say... One consistent thing of all of my records, even from Ratchet, is that I've always had a 90s vibe to my music in some ways, sense or form, you know, um, starting with like the housey vibes of Ratchet and the grungier vibes of, you know, previous records or post records. And this record also felt very 90s to me. And I think I'm just continuing that heritage just like in a different mood, just giving you a different mood of that. But I'm really excited about it. It's, it's uh, the producer that I work with is also someone who's like grossly obsessed with the nineties. Like we're probably a little worrying for both of us, but, uh, but I love that. Like, like we're both like very obsessive about it. Like we like are, I feel like both of our goals, like I think like, look, obviously I love self-titled. It sounds great. But I think the whole time I was working with like, my producers for that record because that was like the first record that I also work with like producers for like the first time in a while you know I had to like play a lot of 90s stuff and like explain to them like specifically what I want and I think this record I could probably say is 90s influence but I think with the person I'm working with now for like this new stuff we're both like our goal is to make it sound as 90s as possible, like both of our goals. And like, we understand that. So I, I'm really excited for that because like now it's not me just like explaining this to a producer or like people all the time like I was before. It's just like we both inherently know what we want and like how to get it to sound that way. So I can't wait to hear it all. And, and thanks for giving us two records to 
jam on for 2020. We really, we really need it. And Faye, what's coming up next for you? What are you working on? You said things got quiet, but what's next now that you're, you're super busy again? I have like this weird gig right now. I'm designing cookies for a bakery. So I'm doing drawings and then they're icing these cookies as my drawings. It's really cool. It's all these like pop culture sets. Like I'm going to do a Gilmore Girls one. I don't know why I keep bringing up Gilmore Girls. I want to do an SVU one, you know, so I'm going to work on those. It's called Funny Face Bakery is in New York. They're really cute. So I'm working on those and just doing junior high stuff, trying to come out with new merch for the holidays, doing a gift guide to get people hopefully off Amazon and whatever else. Oh, I'm planning a wedding. I'm going to get married. Whoa. Congratulations. Thank you. So that won't be for like a year, but you know, there's planning. And then I'm just going to hang out with my cats. There's two of them, despite what you've seen. The other one is missing. What's the other one's name? Letty. You don't know Letty Shamir. He's only two. Um, But they're both named after a character from Fast and Furious. So Letty is actually my boy, but he's named after Michelle Rodriguez. And then Dwayne is actually my girl, but she's named after Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And that's on fuck gender constructs. We don't see gender in my home, honey. Period. Yeah, we are a big Fast and Furious stan house, so don't get it twisted. <laughs> uh, thank you both so much for, for making the thank time you. today. This was awesome. I do wish we could meet in person, hang, get the vibe going. But for now, this was just perfect. And Shamir, Faye, thank you so much for joining the show and, and being so open and, and talking here. Thank you. No, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Big thanks to Shamir and Faye for joining the show. It was so great to facilitate this conversation between these two great friends and creative powerhouses. Be sure to listen to Shamir's incredible music wherever you stream or get your records. And check out Faye Orlove's beautiful illustrations, her videos, and her work with Junior High too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really loved having this conversation. In talking with these two, something really stood out to me. Something that's easy to say, but so hard to do and to stick with. The idea of being yourself, being wholly and authentically you, leaning into the things that make you you as an artist, as a musician, as a creative person, being clear about what it is you're willing to do and where you draw the line creatively, thinking intentionally about what you want in a creative collaboration. What are the opportunities and risks worth taking? And what are the boundaries that shouldn't be crossed at the risk of losing yourself, your creative voice, and the artistry that makes you uniquely you? I hear that in Shamir's music, and I see it in Faye's work, that idea of moving closer to yourself. That's where the real good stuff lies. That's where the fans, the community, the work opportunities that will feel right and have you doing your best stuff yet. I hope you'll subscribe and share this podcast with a friend too. If you like what you heard, please post a review or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. That would mean so much. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. If you've got a fun project you'd like to work on that brings together music and art, I'd love to connect with you. I'm on Instagram at the Rob Goodman. You can also follow the show on Instagram at making.ways or visit us online at makingwayspodcast.com to suggest guests or topics for upcoming shows. Be well, and we'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.